share. So God bless you as you receive. There we go. I might have flicked it the wrong direction. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have people coming from North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, Mexico, Florida, maybe Alabama and Michigan, and from across the state. Mike Johnson called me one day and said some of Caitlin's relatives and some of the people in their church are coming over. So, you know, there might be like 20 of them coming. We're going to have to probably put some more chairs out, you know. Isn't that a delightful problem? So, uh, anyhow, it's going to be a great time of fellowship. And uh, we switch a route a little bit, not having an evening banquet. We're going to have a luncheon at like 1 o'clock after I share and we lay hands on people and pray for them. And that way, everybody working and helping out, they can uh, rest a little bit and actually come back for an evening service at 6 o'clock so we can get out and be able to go to bed and get up and come to service on Sunday morning. And Garland Bilbo will be preaching Friday night and Sunday morning. And Eliezer Hernandez will be speaking on Saturday night. Without it being in a banquet, you know, boundary, he can just let the fur fly, as they say in the South. And uh, he's an excellent speaker and musician. He and I wrote a lot of songs together during altar services. He can play and I'd hear music. I'd hear the words. And so it was a really great time. And he's been with me, been my translator in Costa Rica and Mexico and different places and in the past. He learned English from me, I think. So if he talks his English, he might sound like he's from Poplar Bluff you know, with a Cuban accent. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're looking forward to that time of fellowship and uh Isaac and Laura are definitely coming, and Tino and Sarah, and I'm not sure. I know Herman and Mary are going to fly from Brownsville to St. Louis and rent a car and come on down. So there's going to be a lot of good folks coming in, and we need to uh, be hospitable and love on them and, and fellowship with them. And I'm so glad that Sherman would be able to, maybe he'll be helping us receive the offerings by then. You never know. He's up and at him. He is a miracle. You know, he really is. And uh, others, if they could see his faith and what's produced, you know, it's really great. And uh, we appreciate God touching him like that. Uh, This is part five of Unblocking Curses, Releasing Blessings. And we're going to share... I think I got those two scriptures kind of backwards. Can you flip over to Proverbs 18, 21 first, Sister Die, if you can do that. That's been the theme scripture of this whole time. Tonight, I want to talk to you about witchcraft curses. And so, uh, you know, people perish for lack of knowledge. 
is what I think that's in Hosea. And a lot of times people just don't understand what's going on and so they come under attack and they don't know how to deal with it. Uh, our intercessors stand in the gap to make up the hedge around our church and they pray on Friday mornings and Sister Tara told me uh, a week ago Sunday, wasn't it? Two weeks ago. She felt such a, like a wall, like it didn't hinder the service, but all the intercessors felt like there was something just pressing against them. But that now it's lifted, hadn't it? And, uh, and we've had some breakthroughs. And, of course, the, about Richard Jones's church, God's house, and uh, House Springs, south of St. Louis. When I went there, he said that a lot of witches had been speaking out against him on the Internet when he promoted it and said I was coming. And uh, then a lot of religious people, because he called me an apostolic prophet, uh, a lot of religious people were commenting that they didn't believe that that was true and that, that, didn't, that that's not for today. And uh, I just say, I don't care what you call me, just let me come, just let me speak and do the work of the ministry. But uh, there is a lot of interaction and there is a lot of, there is a release of people's uh, beliefs when they're speaking. They don't understand that what they talk about is released into the atmosphere. It really comes out of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, it was written in Proverbs. So, you know, the, the mouth speaks what's inside. And when somebody's bitter, you know that it's a root down in their heart that they're speaking from. And uh, the enemy, that's why he wants to get you in the mud. He wants to throw mud at you to make you mad so that you'll get some resentment against others so that you'll be angry and upset and it will mess your life up by accepting it, cling, clinging on to it. But the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So, in other words, what you eat is what you produce. You know, it will be either good to you or it will be bad to you. If you eat good fruit, then you're going to produce some righteousness. If you eat bad fruit, you're going to produce some bad stuff. So, it's important to know the power of the... Of, of the Anyway, the power of life and death is in the tongue. You can either speak life or you can speak death. And uh, so cool, Sister Tara's grandson Oliver called me from, what was it, Bonterre? Boonville. Anyway, he called me and we had a nice chat, 10 minutes. That's what was on his card or whatever he was able to talk. And he said, I was talking to him about reading Psalms and Proverbs. And he said, uh, I'm writing all this down. I was giving him instructions. <laughs> he said, I'm writing it down. He said, I've been reading Proverbs a lot. I said, well, now you know you're going to read five Psalms and a proverb and a chapter out of John every day. And you're going to come through and you're going to become powerful in the Lord. He's going to work in you. Then I saw Marissa today. And she said, I was at the nursing home, the manor, 
went to see Rick Timbush, which he's still kind of feisty. I'm just praying he'll get with it a little bit so he can get out and come to some of the services. He really wants to come. He said, PK, I really believe my liver is healed, but it's the other parts of him that needs a little help. We need to get Brother Sherman to go over there and lay hands on him and, you know, then pray for him after you lay hands on him. Get him healed, you know. But uh, transfer some of that healing power, you know, to him. But uh, he is still holding on, hoping for God's perfect healing to happen in his life. But uh, she saw me there. That's what I was going to say. She worked there. and She heard my voice. Isn't that something Zach talked about? The sheep know your voice, the shepherd's voice. Well, she stuck her head in the door. She said, Is that Pastor Kevin? I said, Yes. And I said, I talked to your, your buddy. And she said, Yeah, he told me. She said, I'm going to see him on Saturday. But she said, But I'm going to be in church on Sunday. So, uh, you know, it's good to know what God's doing. God's doing some good things, isn't he? Anyway, let me give you a question. Uh, I need to read. Well, let me give you a question. Has someone spoken a curse over you? Have you ever had that happen? You know, they try. They definitely try. But they cannot succeed if you stay hidden inside Jesus. Uh, they might try, but they're not going to succeed. In Galatians 3 and 1, says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, the interesting thing about this, and it's a fine line. I'm going to say something that I hope doesn't offend anybody. But it's a fine line between studying the Jewish roots and walking in the grace of God. Uh, even Dick Rubin told me, he said, sometimes he thought people would get too carried away with his teachings in the Jewish direction. Because... Paul got onto the Galatians because they wanted to go back in and, and celebrate all the feasts and all the different things of Judaism. And basically, he was a Jew's Jew. He was a member of the Sanhedrin court. He was a Pharisee. And yet, he was the Gentile uh, apostle. He was sent to the Gentiles. Peter went first. He went to Cornelius' house. And boy, what a revival stirred up there. He got out of jail. They sang and, and their, their bonds were broken off of them. When, uh, well, no, that was before they got put in the prison. I get twisted and I see Pastor Ken's face. I say, oh, okay, I'll get back on the right track. But uh, uh, anyway, that was when he saw the, the sheet lowered with all the animals what they weren't supposed to be eating and yet the Lord said these are good you know and I am glad because I sure like barbecued pork you know and uh, bacon and all those pigs when Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee and there was the man at the tombs all those pigs he let those demons go into the pigs and that herd ran right off into the lake 
and they drowned. That was kind of a waste of good pork. You know, but I'm not going to tell Jesus that. But anyway, there are a lot of things that people get bound up in. And they try to do things and be things in a way that they're not really supposed to. You can study things, and it's great to have knowledge, to understand, you know, where we're coming from. You know, I've told you before that Pastor Ken and I, our great, 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 is it a great, great? My mom and your mom, uh, I think their grandmother on Grandma Neil's side was full-blooded Cherokee. But I've never gone in to study how to do a rain dance or anything. I don't even know if the Cherokee Indians did rain dances. But, you know, I, whatever their belief systems were, I haven't tried to go in because I have a heritage of being a Cherokee Indian in my background a little bit, just like 164th, I think. That's not a lot. I got a lot of other stuff in me. But I don't go study how to be a Cherokee Indian and then practice that. Try to get a headdress and wear it and, and wear the moccasins and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's interesting to find out about your background, but it's not so you go back into other religiosities and kind of mess around with it. It's not worth it. But he warned them, you're foolish. I mean, how more straight can you be? Paul was very straight with the Galatians. He said, oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? So some belief systems can bewitch you. Now, what kind of directions can they come from? Hey, you know, a lot of people need to do exercises. How many of y'all need to exercise? But I'm going to tell you, you don't need to go get into uh, yoga. It's an Eastern religion that it's based on. All those positions are actually figures of worship unto false gods. Now, I'm not saying it's not good to stretch and do all that, but not to get in those particular poses as if it was worship. You know, I don't... Uh, you know, there's many different things associated with idolatry and witchcraft that you could do if you're not careful. You could be a part of it. And so uh, I know Norman Parrish. He's one of my mentors. He was a missionary. He was a, an American Baptist that was from Canada that got baptized in the Holy Spirit and ended up in Guatemala and while he was in Guatemala as a Baptist missionary with his father and mother as a young man, uh, then they were baptized in the Spirit, then that changed everything. And that family ended up helping start over 800 churches in Central and South America. Well, he told me the story one time, and the, he invited me to speak. You went with me there? Yeah, Pastor Ken went with me to that particular a conference. We had pastors from 11 different countries there. I was one of the youngest. And I asked him, I said, Brother Norman, why would you have me come speak? He said, because you move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of these pastors are very religious. 
and they need to understand how to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, he also told the story, I don't know if you remember it, but he told the story how somebody had given him some soup to eat. They were visiting different ones that were sick and such. Somebody gave him a bowl of stew or soup and he got deathly sick. And they were praying and praying and finally one of the intercessors, that's why intercessors are so important, uh, said, we feel like God's saying it's something that you ate. And he got to thinking because he was so sick he felt like he was just going to die. And uh, he said, well, the last meal I had was that soup that I ate at this particular house. And so they began to pray against the spirits that were attached to that bowl of soup. And I mean his sickness broke immediately because discernment of the Holy Spirit. And that sickness broke off of him, and he became well immediately. But that was amazing how... There was a curse somebody put on that stew that he was given to eat. Dave, you felt like somebody put a curse on something you ate in Albania too, didn't you? I mean, I felt so sorry for Dave. He was sick. We went on home visits. He stayed back at the, the, uh, the bunkhouse or whatever we want to call it there, the headquarters. And uh, we had to pray for you because he was really attacked in Albania and uh, his stomach, you know. And I tell you what, you just got to be on your toes spiritually. But uh, Frank Sabalero, he was the pastor before me in South Florida. He was a Puerto Rican married to a Cuban lady. And he would go to Cuba and also to Haiti. He would go to Haiti oftentimes. We used to support three different missionaries to Haiti. And one of them was Mom Workman, who used to sing in Catherine Kuhlman Crusade. She became my friend, and she came and preached for us in a missions uh, conference or convention. It was really great. And the lady that came with her, she was the wife of the man who wrote the book about the... About cannibalism or they wanted they came to eat me or something like that uh, you remember that book it was by an author from Christ for the Nations and his wife came with Mom Workman on that trip and anyway or maybe he wrote the book they speak with other tongues or something something like that anyway I'll get back on track here but they, he was attacked in Haiti and he threw up black bile and it was a witchcraft curse somebody tried to put on him and in Haiti not to make the hair grow on the back of your neck or anything or stand up they literally when Willie Cooper went with him to Haiti they had where trees they would hold these witchcraft meetings that were dedicated to Satan and when they would go to this particular grove, uh, and Willie and Frank had been preaching in that village, uh, said those that were involved in the Satanism and the witchcraft, they would pray, 
and these trees would be like living trees and they would move and block the road so that nobody could go back there to it. And they tried to curse Brother Frank and they tried to kill him and they had to pray over him against that curse from those witches and warlocks there to break the curse and then he got his stomach got well but uh, a lot of things can happen and I know you know I can feel it when there's witchcraft I've told you that where my hands will swell tonight there's no witches in here I can tell you that because the rings come right off my fingers but when I'm in a place where witches are operating my rings my fingers swell and I can't get my rings off my hands until we pray I went through a neighborhood with Tino, and I said, there is a witch or something in this neighborhood. And he said, yeah, we were going to preach for an assembly God pastor there in Aguas Calientes. said, yeah, this neighborhood, it's known there's a witch's coven in that particular neighborhood. I said, I knew it because my hands started swelling up. And so then we got to the church, you know, and we had a fabulous service. And, but we prayed and broke and bound that witchcraft so it couldn't operate in the service. And then in another place uh, with Tino, where he rented a place up on a hill, kind of. It was like a disco, former disco. And uh, he had the church in there before we bought the property where he built the church is now. And we were in there. And... I prayed over Isaac, and he began to roar. And people thought maybe he had a demon. I said, oh, no. He's roaring with the, the sound of the Lion of Judah. I mean, he was just, rah, you know. And, of course, they said there were things like that that happened in the Toronto Blessing meetings. There was the big revival before the Brownsville revival in Pensacola happened. And uh, Randy Clark, who is the you know, the president of Global Awakening University, and that's where Zach got his master's, he was the one that went to Toronto and preached when the revival broke out. And then I think he went to England and, and prayed over that uh, guy there who prayed over Steve Hill who went down to Carlos Anacondia in Argentina and ended up coming up to Pensacola, and then the revival just went bangity bangity bungity bung you know around here and there and and so on and as fabulous as it broke out but there's a price to be paid you know and you have to battle the witchcraft because the witches want to stop it you know there's witches that want to stop our move of god too and they don't want us to have a move of god first of all but I'm telling you, this conference is going to be one of those breakthrough conferences, this Kingdom Legacy Conference. And Garland Bilbo has been my good friend since my 20s, and he is my age. We were in the same grade uh, growing up, not together, but in different cities. But he married Brother Gorman's daughter, Beverly, and, and uh, he has been around a lot of prophets. And when he comes, he has a lot of prophetic power in his messages. And I think we're going to see a mighty move 
of the Holy Spirit when it happens. But I'm supposed to be preaching from some notes, and here I am rambling along. But I, I want you to understand the devil works through people. You know, he tries to use people to speak things to you. And that's why I said, has someone spoken a curse over you? You know, when you have issues and problems all the way growing up, you know, Brother Randy, we don't, it doesn't just happen. It's because somebody has spoken something that has allowed the enemy to come in a door to attack us and to try to destroy us. But God has a different plan for each of us. Amen? Let's look at statement number one. It's this. The most common curse is one that comes from someone you know. Sometimes it's a parent. You're never going to amount to anything. You're so lazy. You, you probably, you know... And, and something like that. Or somebody say, you are just like your daddy. He was that way and that's the way you're going to be. Or something. You know? And so somebody speaks a word over us. You know, you're so dumb. I don't know how you stayed in this grade. Or whatever. It's words that have been released against us and over us. And those words are not supposed to have that kind of power, but they do. Without God's protection and defense, we don't have a chance hardly. The enemy comes in like a flood, but God raises a standard against him. Let's look here at the, the definition of witchcraft from the Strong's Concordance. It means literally medicated, magic, Sorcery, or like a druggist using a potion or a poison to cause a person to be damaged in some way. You know, the very thing that doctors try to use for good when somebody has surgery. How many people have you heard that they had a surgery and then they were given oxycodone or Percocets, or Tramadol, or Hydrocodones, and they got addicted to them. Even after they've somewhat gotten over their surgery, they ended up in an addiction. And so, you know, it's the enemy, that's how he works. The witchcraft, or the sorcery, and that's really pharmacia. We go to the pharmacy to get our medications, our medicines, but pharmacia or pharmakia in the original uh, language, you know, it's like that. It's, it's making potions. It's doing things. And I'm not telling you not to take any medicine because sometimes a person has high blood pressure unless God heals it. You need to take one of those little pills to keep it down. So I'm not telling you not to take the medicine that you need to be taking, but sometimes the medicine gets us, and a lot of people have been destroyed. I did a funeral for a young man that used to be in this ministry a few years ago, and uh, 
he got hooked on pain pills. And him and his wife just could not get along because he would do almost anything to get those pain pills. He'd go see seven different doctors to get the pills and tell them where he was hurting, et cetera, et cetera. And the sad thing is he lost his marriage and he lost his opportunity to own his own business. And he ended up down south and he ended up hanging himself. And it was one of those where you tied the rope around the doorknob and put it over. And then you close the door and, and you know, once the, the thing's around the neck and you're on the chair and you slam the door and, you, and it hanged him. And uh, he died. And yet, this young man loved God. He loved the mission field. He went with me on a couple of trips. He really had a hunger to be used of God. He, he had talent, but he couldn't shake the addiction. And he really needed to stay more plugged in with his mentors and his... But he see, he moved away. I didn't have any very much influence. I'd go down and preach in the South, and I'd meet with him, eat, eat dinner, and he'd come to services, and, you know... I just really thought, you're going to make it. But he let some disappointments in his life get to him. And then he took those pills. He got a hold of some more pills. And he ended his life. You know, now I can't judge uh, whether or not, you know, that was an addiction that got him. And yet he did love God. He confessed Jesus. So I can't say that he didn't go to heaven. You know, but boy, he sure could have done a lot more here on earth, you know, if he could have just got it lined up. But that's why you need to stay around one another. You need to stay in touch with one another. God wants you to don't, not just survive. He wants you to thrive. And the witchcraft will try to destroy you. That's the devil's job. That's his job description to kill, steal, and destroy. But we see in Galatians 5, 19, and 20, it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Of course, I'm not, that's NIV. I don't preach out of the NIV, but it's still the same words, I guess. Uh, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, or divisions. Uh, see, so anyway, you see smack dab in the middle, it says idolatry and witchcraft. They put those together, of course, that's English. That's a conjunction. But it ties idolatry together with witchcraft. Because idolatry is something that you worship that's not Jesus. That's when you put other things above Jesus. So it's very important, you know, to uh, understand that this is the devil's plan. He wants you to be involved in the acts of the flesh, but right in the middle of it is the witchcraft and idolatry together. Religion can become idolatry. 
A Christian church, if you're not careful, could be idolatry if you made it that way. You know, if you put, you know, if your your spouse is at home sick and really needs your help, but you, oh, I got to go to church. You know, sometimes uh, you could make church an idol, but you know it's not that way most of the time. So don't anybody get any ideas, you know, too much about it. But you can make anything an idol. You know, some people make sports an idol. I love sports. But you know what? I didn't cry when the Cardinals had a losing season. You know, it's just salavi. Maybe next year they'll do better. But it's not going to stop me from going to church and living for God and loving people just because they had a bad season, you know. And uh, anyway, I'm going to have to tell Aunt Barb she needs to start liking football too, you know. said, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Baseball is not until next year again. You know, I told her, don't worry, you'll find something to do. <laughs> said, you just keep coming to church. You know, that's pretty amazing. She's come to church every Sunday since last Thanksgiving. God has really got a hold of her heart because I don't think she's been to church more than five times in the previous 40 years or 30 years, you know. So it's an amazing thing. She says, I love this church. See what God can do in a person's life? It's just sincerely amazing. Statement number two, it says, Did I mess you all up? Okay. I'll read it off the paper. Statement number two, the curse, there it is. It's just bigger letters on the screen. The curse of the fig tree taught the power of negative words what negative words would do. You know, Jesus spoke to the fig tree. He cursed it. I mean, Jesus, he didn't sin and done it. He was God, you know. But it showed the power of a negative word. And so let's go ahead and let's look at Mark 11, 12 through 14. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Kind of faked him out, you know. Hey, where's the fruit? But uh, then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. And you know, they came back later and found that there wasn't any, that thing was withered up, dried up. You know, when Jesus speaks, it happens. You know, so you got to be careful what you say. You speak something negative, a negative event will happen. Oh, I don't know. I, you know, Aunt Barb will tell me this all the time. I don't know what I'd do without y'all. I said, well... Somebody else, Pastor Ken or somebody else, come along and help you. I said, you got a niece. She would help you. You know, I'm not God. Lucia's not God. I know you appreciate it. But, see, our words really have a lot of power. And uh, we, ha we have to be careful what we say. 
you know, and I try to always be positive with my grandkids. Sometimes I have to say, now don't do that, and this is why you don't do it. Sometimes you have to explain why you're saying what you're saying so it's not negative, but it can be a positive. Amen? Matthew 21, 15 through 18 through 21 says, Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. See, this is another version. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. Now, it didn't say it that way in the other uh, gospel, but it did. It responded to his words. And when they came back, they saw the result of it when they came back later. Now let's look at Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I like that, don't you? Whatever you ask for in prayer. It didn't say whatever you pray will be granted to you. It said, whatever you ask for in prayer. It's kind of like certain scriptures I've told you before. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All the old things pass away. Everything becomes new. you got to really look at the language. If you're in Christ, you can't help but become new. But he says here, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer... Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That's what I like about Kevin Ferguson. You know, we can be talking. He said, well, let's just pray about that right now. He doesn't even wait. I like that. And I do that with people out in the community. Well, let me just pray for you right now. I've had people come up to me on the sidewalk at the post office. I remember Shelby Stevens. He was a pastor down in the south end of town. He saw me at the post office one day. He said, oh, Brother Kevin, would you, would you just put your hand on, I forget if it was back or neck. He said, I know if you pray, I'll get touched. I, I prayed for him right on the sidewalk out in front of the post office. You know, so, but when we're in prayer, prayer builds you up. If you pray in the Holy Spirit, it says you build up your most holy faith. So, Pray in the Spirit, and it builds you up. And then whatever you ask for, you have received it. It will be yours. Let's, let's just do a little something right now. Lord, we just pray right now. We just, we just get into an attitude of your presence. We just thank you because you hear us, and we're just dialoguing, talking to you. What a great God you are. I thank you, Lord. You're my Savior. You're the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Oh, God, I love you. I just appreciate salvation and healing and deliverance so much. I just thank you, Lord, that we can be in your presence. Hallelujah. We're in prayer right now. Somebody tell me something they're asking for. Don't be bashful. Sister Sheila. Okay. You're you're asking 
for her to be healed, huh? Do you know her first name? Melanie. Lord, we're in prayer. She's got cancer, Melanie, in Minnesota. There's no distance in our prayers or our thoughts. So we ask for healing to be demonstrated and sent from heaven like a lightning bolt into her presence and touch her body. And we curse that cancer just like Jesus cursed the fig tree. We're going to curse something, let's curse something like cancer. In Jesus Christ's name, let her have a good report. Hallelujah. Amen. See, that's, that's how we should be. We should live our life that way. Man, the do doctors, sometimes they don't understand. They're just trying to tell you the truth. But many times it's negative. Well, this is what's going on. This is what's on the screen, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but, you know, Cookie, your, your uh, thyroid is going to be healed. It's going to loosen up. And, yeah, and release that trach. I prayed for her Sunday. Then Pastor Ken prayed for her tonight. In prayer, we just ask for your healing completely. Loose it up in Jesus' name. Amen. How about Matthew 16 and 19? It says, I will give you the keys. Wow. Do you like that? Everybody say keys. Yeah. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, we've heard various thoughts on binding and loosing. Binding, basically, though, you go look at the original, it means to tie up. Now, it might be tied too. If you have a broken leg and you want a splint, you want to tie that thing up so that the splint keeps the leg straight. So it could be a good thing. But also, if there's an enemy trying to attack you, you have a mad dog, you don't want that thing to be loose. You put a chain on the thing and tie him to a pole. You know, we can bind him up. So there's binding and loosing. Whatever it says, whatever's bound, it's bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Yes. How many needs a financial blessing? Yeah, I'm going to need some because I'm going to Mexico second weekend of November. Lord, we just bind any spirit of poverty. We bind any lack. Zach said it, that you're not supposed to have any lack when the good shepherd's there. We just ask you to bind any interference from taking place for each one that's in this room that need a financial blessing. And Lord, we ask you to open the windows of heaven and loose on earth what's in heaven. There's no poverty. There's no lack. There's, there's no need that won't be fulfilled in heaven. We know you're going to fulfill it, Lord. Pour it out upon us here on earth. Give us the money, Lord. Don't let it just be a world thing. I pray for Sherman, for the insurance company to cough up what they need to pay for all the bills and, and get him a good truck one day when he's ready to drive. You're going to have to be able to step on the brakes, so, you know, that's what we pray. Your leg heels good enough to press the accelerator and the brakes, both. And Lord, just heal him completely so that he can have his desire one day. We thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? 
And then in Acts 8, 9 through 11, now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. You know, and a lot of people, the psychic network or all these varieties of things people call. I know of a businessman here in Popper Bluff when he'd go out of town and he would go over to the, the psychic lady up in St. Louis, you know. And, you know, it's just, I want to say stupidity, but but the, it's it's like this thing that, it's like slinky. It tries to draw you in. Like that psychic's going to give you a magic word to say or something like that. And it's a bunch of bull, you know, if I can put it that way. Bull hockey. But anyway, the, the he's not the power of God. In fact, when the disciples came along, then he wanted to buy their power. And he got rebuked. And warned, you don't get the power of God by paying for it. You know, somebody can give a lot bigger offerings than others. You don't give them extra because they can buy the power of God. You love everybody, whether they have a lot or a little. But anyway, he was a sorcerer. Then let's look at statement number three. The power in the last days will be in the prophetic a prophetic word that is spoken is timely and powerful people need to be careful though saying they are speaking for God most prophecies don't redirect you but confirm you if you're looking for somebody to tell you all the time what you're going to do or uh, you know then you're putting a lot of pressure Sister Virginia, you don't need that kind of pressure. I don't need that kind of pressure. Oh, Pastor Kevin, tell me, what am I going to do? Where am I going next? Well, I don't know. I'm just a human being. If God tells me something, I'll tell you. you know, I had a lady down in Homestead. She was a professor, college professor. And I'd minister and give prophetic words. Then I'd be done. I'd be ready to go eat. Man, I'd come down off the horse of the anointing, if I can put it that way. I'd climb down. I was just a man of clay again. And uh, she'd walk in, oh, Pastor, do you have a word for me? Yeah, find a good place to eat. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't have anything to tell you right now. Let me just pray for her. Lord, just touch her and help her lead her. Amen. Yeah. But people want to go to somebody like they're, a psychic. It's not right. You know? And when that pressure's put on them, it's hard because they love you. And that's why I said, Sister Virginia or Di or any of us here, when we minister, it puts a lot of pressure if you come up and I want a word. Read your Bible. That's a good one. <laughs> Get on your knees more often. <laughs> Pray. 
But the kind of prophetic you want that's going to be powerful is when God stops the service and somebody goes and says, you're going through this and this and this. But God says, no, the enemy is not going to win. How many times have they cried? I mean, they'll 99 times out of 100, they'll start crying when you got a word from God. But when you go up like you're going to ring the bell or something, and hey, come on, give me that word. You know, that's another story. We got to be careful when we say God says if it's not really God. And we can get, there's three heavens. There's third heaven, God, his presence. There's first heaven where we live and walk. Second heaven where there's demons and angels. And angels can help go do and procure things and help move things out of the way so it, things can come through to us. So, you know, we need to cooperate with the third heaven from the first heaven so that things can be done and lives can be touched. But I've seen a lot of people healed and touched. And mo better when I don't know anything about them. You know, it's a lot easier to speak a prophetic word to somebody you don't know. If somebody come tell you everything about them, tell you what they want, and then they want you to give them a word. Well, okay. Well, I agree with you. Amen. <laughs> You've already told me everything, you know. Anyhow. I'll get off my soapbox. How much time we got? We got just a few minutes. Amos 3, 7. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So we know that he does show the prophetic people things about his plan for your life. And a lot of time when I'm counseling somebody, it's discerning. You have spiritual discernment. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom goes with it. But God gives grace and mercy and you you get a word of, of something that confirms. Like I said, usually they're not just going to redirect to you. It's going to confirm what God is putting in your heart already. So, you know, you give a person a word, it could be very tempting if they are irritating to you and frustrating to you to say, oh, I feel the Lord wants you to go to Africa on a mission trip. Yeah, Go over to Soviet Union, go over to Russia, you know, or China. <laughs> that could be the flesh. You want to make sure you're not giving a word out of your flesh. Amen. <laughs> Matthew 10, 20. Let's just keep rolling here. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. The prophet moves in the Father's voice. He's telling you something through that person. Let's go on to the next scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Don't go to somebody like they're the encyclopedia of your life. God's not going to tell them everything. They're going to prophesy in part, and they're going to know in part. That's why it's great when others... That's why I love it if Sister Virginia and Pastor Ken or somebody and myself, we can prophesy together because God 
has a slice of the pie from each one of us, a lot of times that can really move mountains. What's the next one? 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 4. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. It's never to rake them over the coals. It's to strengthen them, to encourage them, and to comfort them. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. You can be spiritual and pray in tongues, but the one who really edifies is, the, you know, he edifies himself, but the one who speaks a prophecy edifies the whole church. You know, they can get excited for you because you got a word. Yeah, amen. We we got some powerful things coming. I can't get into it. But Second Peter one twenty one. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through though humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We only speak as the Holy Spirit gives us the word. So, you know, if I don't get something, I'm not going to give anything to anybody. I may say, well, I love you. Praise God. You know. Anyhow, I have, okay, this is the conclusion. Let's get ready. God is the real deal. The false prophet will pay a heavy price for being wrong. Anybody going around saying, thus says the Lord, and it's not of the Lord, you better be careful because it's not going to work out too good for you. God doesn't appreciate it. Well, I've got a few others, but let's just close it down here. God has order. Everything he does is decent and in order. I think that's in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 30. But I'll just shut it down here. I think I got my point across. Witchcraft is the enemy trying to lead you along and astray Sometimes just trying to bother you or hurt you in some way. But, you know, the real deal will blow up the enemy's words and plans. I'll close with this one quick illustration because I've told it to you before. I was at Lakeland. I met Kenneth Hagin in the lobby of the hotel. Shook his hand, talked to him for a little bit. Lucia had the kids in the room. It was night. I went on to, he, to Sister Bonnie's church in Lakeland. She was one of our pastors. And lo and behold, there was a man and a woman that were ministering together there, and they had a camper out back. And guess what? He was her husband's friend, and her husband had died. And they were traveling around ministering together but they were staying in the camper together. Sister Bonnie had told me that, and she seemed a little concerned. I was concerned. And I'd fasted, I forget how many days. Was that my, that was a 21-day fast. And at the end of the fast, I, my tummy was bothering me because we went to the steakhouse and they don't ever do that before you go to church after you fast 21 days. Don't go eat a buffet at the steakhouse. Just not wise. Well, anyway, at the end of the message, 
I stepped out to go to the restroom. The restroom was outside in the courtyard at that church. Well, I was fine. I came back in, and the guy said, Oh, I'm so glad you came back in, brother. I was praying that you wouldn't be, uh, that you wouldn't leave. I know because the Lord told me, you want what we got. I was thinking, I don't want anything like you've got. And I just smiled, and he said, come on up here and let us give you a word. Sister Bonnie turned around and looked, saw it was me, and she was like, <laughs> I got up there, and they start telling me all this stuff, and they said, do you receive it? I said, absolutely not. I'm prophetic, and I'm Sister Bonnie's pastor. I mean, you talk about their eyes got big as silver dollars, and one of the little black sisters sitting over here, she said, well, praise the Lord. I mean, she got all excited, said, I knew you were a man of God. You know, she just went on and on. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. I shouldn't have joy over that. But anyway... The service closed down pretty quickly after that. And they packed up and left the next morning. And that revival didn't tarry any longer. So, but anyway. <laughs> you know, the devil tries to use religious people to manipulate spiritual people. And I'm so glad we got real people here. The real deal. And our people. And God is good. Stand with me. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the warnings we get. Thank you, Lord, for the building up we get in your scriptures. We thank you, God, that you are all that we need. And that we can be there for each other and speak good words to one another. And that we, as we go, you go with us. And as you speak, we can speak. And we give thanks for that. I thank you in the name of Jesus for your hand being in the middle. Amen. Amen. God be with you. Come back Sunday. We're going to have a...